Okay, welcome back to part two um, of our episode here with Dax Harris. Um, just jumping right into it, I just wanted to ask for, uh, I guess, Dax, for you, what would be like long-term goals with the photography? You've done landscaping or landscape photography. You've done the, you call it portraiture. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, like what would be, what would be like an ideal long-term going forward? Yeah, I would love to. Um, introduce photography into the work that I'm going to do with geology. Okay. Uh, I'd love to, I, I really like people who are not just like with those inmates or those migrant workers. Those are people who aren't readily photographed or advertised as being individual people. You know, we kind of like to lump those kinds of those people into categories where mm-hmm. these are the migrant workers, these are the inmates, these are the Catholics or whatever, whatever way we, we categorize people. I really like individuals where I would love to involve any people that I work with. It's like, this is the leading geologist in this field. This is his story. This is who he is. This is a photo of him doing what he loves. And uh, so, so I guess, so you, when you were talking about the, um, the work camp that or the inmates that you were taking pictures of, you said that you kind of took down each of their stories. So is that kind of more what you want to do? You want to tell people stories through photography? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think giving, telling a story is um, like valuable, um, but giving a face to a story is really, really cool. And I, I feel like I, I'm able to share people's essence almost through photography where I can get to know them and then photograph them. And I get a different, um, like if I'm, if I'm taking a senior photos and I'm not having a good conversation with the person while I'm taking their photos, the photos don't come out as good. Hmm. Um, and whether that's just me, my perspective of the photos didn't go well because I didn't get to know these people, but I feel like the photos don't turn out as good. So getting to know people and then photographing them, I, I feel like I get them maybe comfortable with me right. and then they become comfortable with the camera. So I, I think sharing those honest, um, images and stories of people because I for a while it was really nice to have the extra money that I got from photography but now it's like I'm going to be going into a career and it's going to be nice to take photos of people as a hobby take photos of landscapes as a hobby rather Mm -hmm. than having it be something oh I've got to somehow get five more clients or else I'm not going to make money and then the passion goes away so I'm I'm curious, um, and maybe there's not a right or wrong answer to this, but um, when you're trying to take or learn someone's story, or you're trying to write someone's story, what is that process like for you? So, I mean, I'm assuming it's different probably almost every time, but do you kind of, do you have a process that you like to take or an approach you like to take to learning someone's story and then turning around and telling it? Mm, I, I really like just conversations I like talking to people and I like asking questions that get people just a little bit uncomfortable uh where it's like I ask them 
I don't know. For example, there's a there's a guy on my Instagram. He's smoking a cigarette out in his car. And I took that photo just like at a lunch break during work one day. And I asked him like, so why are like why are you here? Why are you working here? And uh he he then at first was a little hesitant to tell me anything, but he he started going into his story about like how he and I related to it a lot too because he told me about like how he was a delinquent kid and how he traveled from city to city, how he never really found home, and then he lost his mom, and that was really hard on him because he hadn't built a relationship and stuff. And it was just really, really cool to see how willing people are to tell you about themselves when they feel comfortable. Right. And so, and when they feel important, because asking him if I could take his photo was like, wait, me? Like a guy who works at a potato warehouse? You want to take a photo of me? But but I, w- I was able to take a photo of him and it's become one of my favorite photos. And then on top of that, I'm able to... Um, I know every time I look at that photo, his story and what what impact that made in my life. And so doing that for other people and taking photos of people and making it so that they're willing to talk to me is is cool, getting those stories. Yeah, it, that's cool. It's cool that you say that. Just people do want to tell you their story. They do. Like I... Courtney and I, my wife, we, we've talked about this a few times. She has an aunt and uncle that um, they are so... Every time, we, every time we do a family outing or anything with them, they're so involved in what everybody else is doing that you just love having conversations with them because you love talking about yourself. You really do. And they're, they're so engaged. And it's not just you know, going through the motions of asking, oh, how's work? What's new in your life? You know, they're, they're genuinely interested. You, you start talking about something and you can tell they're engaged because of the questions that they're asking and the perspectives that they have and the comments that they make to where, you know, they're one of our favorite people to be around when we, when we have these family outings. And we've talked about it multiple times. It's like, ah, I want to be more like that. I want to be those kind of people that are genuinely engaged in what other people are doing. Because it makes it makes the person you're talking to feel better about themselves. You have this good conversation, and I think that it trickles, you know, into other conversations, and it goes back towards yourself, where you have these engaging conversations. You build relationships that way. You make people you make people feel important and fulfilled after a conversation, instead of this weird, awkward family interaction that you, you have. You know, it's it's something that's positive. So yeah, doing that with photography is. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a great principle and, you know, a habit to try to try to gain is genuinely having conversations with people and asking them about themselves yeah. and, and people like talking about themselves. <laughs> yeah. And everyone, ha- it, everyone who I've talked to has something interesting to say. Mm-hmm. Everyone has, I mean, everyone is like the, the protagonist in their own story. Sure. It's like, yeah. we'll walk past people in Walmart and, they're just another person in Walmart, but to them, they are like the central role. Yeah. And so everyone has stories and everyone has unique things they've done throughout their lives that if you're just able to get past that barrier of what do you do for work? Yeah. Whatever. How are the kids? It's like you get to that level of 
what truly makes you you mm-hmm. and photography for me has opened up that that avenue huh. where people are more willing i mean people are very self-conscious when it comes to getting their photo taken oh, yeah. so to to get your photo taken you've got to put down some walls that mm-hmm. you put up yeah. and so then by putting up those by putting down those walls then people are willing to put down other walls where what makes you interested in with seniors it's like what makes you interested in playing basketball but yeah. then you hear like <laughs> what was important about like being on a team what right. what have sure. you learned from that kind of and you, no matter who it is we it, i i don't like to discount anyone cuz you don't know what what anyone else's experience is and you don't know what they could teach you cuz yeah. i never was on a team sport but taking senior photos has taught me like oh it's valuable to be a team player and to work yeah. in a team and stuff like that yeah no matter how black and white somebody might seem you know it's like oh i'm taking another senior picture of somebody on the basketball team i know exactly how this conversation's going it might be a preconception you know but people are different people people have totally different stories and things that make them tick so so is your approach to uh, maybe a stranger like not a client would your approach be to ask can i take your picture first and then get into the story or is it typically like you want to get to know them and then take a picture yeah usually uh getting to know someone or at least my experience has been because i've been in that situation where i'm working with somebody every day yeah. so i get to know them and then i ask gotcha them, gotcha uh, okay yeah that's cool. I think, um, yeah, I think that that's really, and I think the idea of having a picture to remember a story or a moment is cool. And I, yeah. I think I could get into that with the photography side. Yeah. And we're really excited <laughs> to be working with Dax in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talked a lot about his portrait photography and his outdoor photography and we, we've approached him to kind of utilize both of those <laughs> aspects. Um, he's going to come out and film some of the hunts that we're going to go on this year. The one coming up um, in the near future is a bear hunt, a spring bear hunt that we're going to go on. We're taking some time off work. We're going to take the boat into an area, camp out there for a couple days. And, yeah, we, we asked Dax to come and film it um, and take pictures, and we're going to compile a video of that hunt. And we're really excited the, the stakes are high, the expectations high for Dax going into this. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's going to be fun, even though it's a bear hunt. Yeah, don't get me started <laughs> on that. I went, to the, I went to the zoo and saw bears in a cage and freaked out. <laughs> Dax is a little afraid of bears. <laughs> yeah, I've had some. Uh, I, I, got, I was on a scout, scout trip once where we were riding bikes out in the woods doing like our cycling merit badge or something yeah we've that, all been there <laughs> that i never got because this was the last we had to do two 25 mile bike rides in 150 and this was the first 25 and i didn't do the other two after this <laughs> nope <laughs> we were we were riding down this hill um and me and a friend we had a bear run out right in front of us stare us both down and then run away <laughs> two little 12 year old kids and it was just so freaky we were both so scared that i then that every time that memory comes up it's like worse and worse it's like the bear had 30 inch long claws <laughs> and then all of a sudden the teeth were four feet long and <laughs> he ate your friend <laughs> <laughs> haven't talked to him since yeah he rode a bike got on our bikes and rode it <laughs> chased us down the trail on a bike <laughs> yeah so we're excited for that 
So I guess, uh, Dax, tell us a little bit about like your experience now with film. Um, is that like a newer passion? Is that a newer hobby? Or is that something that you've basically done since the start of your photography? Yeah. Uh, so what's nice is that the, the cameras now, it's like you can, you can film, you can take photos, everything uh, with the DSLR cameras. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've never done anything officially with, with videography, but I've done little projects and stuff like that. So I'm excited to to yeah. do something legit and to go out and and take real video of something yeah scary and fun. <laughs> <laughs> chances of us seeing a bear in a new area you might be fine we might not even see one we might not we're gonna see one we're gonna kill some bears <laughs> <laughs> i am confident we're gonna kill some bears yeah some killing is gonna happen, whether it's us to bears or bear stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, yes, something's dying. Something's dying. Yeah, that'll be kicking off the spring. So stay tuned for that. You guys will now have a little insight into the guy behind the camera on that video and behind hopefully a lot of the pictures that you're gonna see in the next little bit about the bear hunt. Um, yeah, super excited for for that. Um, so I, I guess kind of transitioning something that. I definitely want to talk about before we we end part two of this episode is um, is your your study of geology. So that's something that I am not familiar with at all. Honestly, if somebody was like, "Yeah, explain geology to me," I'm like, "Uh, finding dinosaurs," <laughs> you know. So like, I don't know. I don't know what all that entails. So I guess give us a brief rundown of you know what you're studying, why you're studying it, what what the study of geology kind of I don't know is. Yeah, so uh, geology is just like interpreting the history of the earth, basically. And so this last semester, I took a course that just in three months, we went through 4.5 billion years of history. <laughs> and so it's a pretty, pretty intense um, field to study and really, really exciting because basically everything that you use is dependent upon geologists the fact that we have aluminum cans to drink red bull out of or whatever which is what we're drinking right now exactly (laughs) uh there's there's a geologist who had to study the layers of rock and to see like oh here there's bauxite is the like the mineral group that you find aluminum in and it's just like a terribly nasty looking rock but you find aluminum in it so uh and then any time you go fill up your your tank, your a geologist had to find that oil. And so um, on top of that, we know the history of the earth. We know the fact that however many years ago the dinosaurs roamed mm-hmm. and stuff like that because because of geologists finding those things. So uh, it's an exciting field because it allows what I'm most excited for is it allows me to go outside, be in a beautiful area, and then be doing something productive with that. Hmm. Uh, to be able to go out in the woods and then see, oh, these layers mean that at one point there was a, like, an interesting thing about Idaho is that there was a point in which uh, an ocean ran through, and you can find fossils of like sea lilies which are like a 
they're called crinoids, which a professor of mine is like a world-leading expert in crinoids, which is kind of an interesting field. So that's such a specific specialty. <laughs> <laughs> Just crinoids, sea lilies from long ago. Exactly. He's, he's an interesting guy. He, he uh, Not to get off on a tangent like Ben would, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. But he studies... He's identified unique species of these crinoids throughout mm. history. He's written like dozens of papers. He's he published papers on crinoids in high school. Oh and so he's God. like his obsession. Yeah, so interesting. So there was a there was a sea that went through Idaho. So you can find like like uh, fossils of aquatic organisms in rocks and i I mean i'm sure you guys have found like oh sweet there's a fish here right like a shell or uh my little brother-in-law he found some horn coral which is like a a unique coral to like the cretaceous period or something like that and so it's interesting to just see to be able to not only see what's cool but also to interpret the cool things that you see that's crazy because I, I always figured that, you know, you see those little fossils and things, you find them or you hear about them, that there was like a big ginormous lake here, but I didn't know it was like the ocean Yeah, ran through Idaho, which is hundreds, thousands of miles inland. I don't know how many. <laughs> yeah, so I think it was, it's like a mid-continent sea or something. There's a certain term for it, huh. but it's like a an inland seaway so it's like the ocean still existed where it did yeah the coastline was different because we've had so tectonic forces have forced like islands to to what's called a crete which is like to press up against the side of the continent so the okay so how deep do you guys want to go let's go deep let's dig into it (laughs) okay so there's a there's a mid-ocean ridge in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean between Africa and, like, North America. Uh-huh. And that has been splitting. Uh, there used to be Pangaea, which right. is like that I big know continent. That. <laughs> so that's been splitting. And as it splits, there's called the active margin, which is the side of the United... Like, the, the west coast of the United States is the active margin because the entire North American plate because of that subduction or because of that uh that mid-ocean ridge is being pushed outwards and then the east coast is called the the passive margin and what's interesting is like the Appalachian Mountains used to be like the Himalayan Mountains which is an interesting what? thing to think so so what is now a passive margin used to be an active margin which means it was pushing into Africa. And so then there were mountains being built there in a similar way to how the Himalayas are being built. And so it's just interesting to see, like, the world is so impermanent, where it's like the mountains that we see now are going to be gone. They're going to be Appalachians, where they're just rolling hills. (laughs) And it's all, like, geology tells that story. Geology and... And the work that geologists are doing help us to understand why it's important that we, like, take care of the earth and why it's important that we make the steps to, like, love what we have because it's not permanent. 
Yeah. It's like, we are so like inconsequential because we, everything just kind of goes away eventually. (laughs) And then it just builds up again. It's, it's a really awesome, like recycling machine that the earth is. So, I mean, this could open up a wicked can of worms. Ooh, Tom is no, just getting off the rails now. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask all the questions that are now in my head. But you could do a whole episode on like your opinions on on dinosaurs, your opinions yeah. on Pangea. Your because it's an on... opinionated topic nowadays. Mm. You know, yes. like we we feel like it should be a a kind of set in stone type of thing. But and, and we're not gonna get into this. <laughs> I don't think because that is a can of worms. Yeah, but, but it is. It's. It'd be it's, worth coming. It's opinionated. Like, it'd be worth having Dax back on. Yes. And doing a whole separate episode about. About yeah, both sides of the argument and yeah. maybe get a little intense. Stay tuned uh, for <laughs> <laughs> possibly a down the road part three of this. Anyway, Tom, your can of worms. So I, I guess my question is because right now there are tons of crazy theories about, or crazy. I in my mind they seem crazy on how to like. Protect the earth. Right, like we want, because we do want to take care of it, and I agree yeah. with that. But there's a certain point that's also like, okay, but we also have to progress as a human race. So we have to be okay with building structures where there once was a forest. Like, we, we, otherwise, we just run out of room. So, my question would be, based on the things that you're learning, what is an appropriate measure that we can take that would actually maybe benefit, you know, make make a small change in in our personal lives that would benefit the earth. Yeah. Um, so I'd just like to first apologize if there are any geologists listening, <laughs> professional, because I've obviously butchered some stuff so far and I will continue to do so. But um, <laughs> I, some of my professors are of the opinion that like global climate change doesn't matter because it's over such a long period of time that mm. like the earth has been around so long and has recovered from stuff like this before. Like, and, and we're talking about like global warming or like mm-hmm. okay. the ice caps melting, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. And I just read a book, uh, this last month that was, it was called timefulness. Um, it's by a professor over at a, on a East coast university something like that and um she she talks about why it is important that we take care of the earth and that we don't Mm. just run it and uh something interesting that i learned this last semester was that there are a, a species making it so that the earth is uninhabitable for that species so humans making the earth uninhabitable for humans by our own works yeah that isn't unprecedented Hmm. there was the first trees on that that um that existed on land they were so prevalent that they sucked down so much co2 that they cooled the earth to a point that the earth was no longer inhabitable for those trees that species of trees Hmm. died out so i feel like us saying there's no way we can change the earth enough to make it uninhabitable for ourselves is inaccurate. I but, think that so, but it's like a matter of time. It's like a yeah. Basically, what you're saying is it will happen. Yeah, Maybe. we might not think it's going to happen in our lifetime, mm. so we think it doesn't matter. But a thousand, ten thousand million years from now, 
we could be destroying the earth. Yeah. The or, people. Or in our lives. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. <laughs> you bring up a good point and this, yeah, that, that's totally a valid argument because um, that is the whole theory in this area behind like introducing wolves into Yellowstone is because right. you have these these herbivores, like buffalo primarily, I believe, who are being detrimental to the the environment that they are in. You know, they are depleting a lot of the resources that will sustain them. You know, so they're introducing a predator to thin out that population so that it's a healthier ecosystem. You can have too many herbivores in a population and they wipe out the the nutrients or, or the things that they need to survive and therefore they die out, you know, and so... Yeah, having that healthy balance. So you're you're saying that 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 book you read that the same thing can apply to humans. Mm-hmm. That we can make the earth uninhabitable for ourselves. Yeah, huh. and the there's like an official commission who set up the geologic time scale, which I'm sure you you guys have seen, where it's like you can see the Jurassic, Triassic, yeah. whatever, and. Uh, they just set up a new, I think it was 2016, that it became official that 1950 on is a new geologic era or mm. epic or period or something like that. And it's called the Anthropocene. And it's because we will, Anthropocene is something related to like human activity. And so the Anthropocene is a geologic period that is set aside because we see in rock layers a change in the environment. So uh. like little shells will use uh, calcium carbonate, I think is what it's called, to create their shells. And because they use calcium carbonate, it involves carbon. And so we can take, like we can tell what the atmosphere was like in millions of years ago because we take the little shells we find the isotopes of those shells where how much of it is carbon 12 how much of it is carbon 13 Mm -hmm. and then we're able to take those ratios and find out how much carbon was in the atmosphere at any given time and so we're seeing in like shells that are being deposited by dead organisms we see an increase in carbon in their However they find that, I have no idea. (laughs) But uh, they're able to find that, and then we're able to see, like, humans are having an obvious impact on how much carbon is in the atmosphere. What that means for for climate or whatever i i'm not smart enough to know and i Mm -hmm. i don't think that i can give a good um like good advice on what to do but i think that i love nature and if i were able to i love the natural world and if i can make a, a difference in protecting it in some way and i i found out like Oh, doing this thing will will help to preserve the world that I love. Then mm-hmm. I do it. I just don't know. I I don't know what the right moves are to make. Yeah, it, it, I think that it's important. I consider myself, you know, an environmentalist, and it doesn't mean that you know I'm out there chaining myself to trees. You know, I still hunt. I I kill animals. I harvest them. I I kill fish and I eat them. You know, I I participate that way. But like you say, I if there's things that immediately impact 
the the wilderness and the world that I know and enjoy, I want to try to protect that. You know, there's there's constant problems that pop up with, you know, they're trying to do some mine in the in Alaska, you know, that Pebble Creek area, and it's going to ruin, you know, the these spawning grounds for these salmon. It's like, yeah, I want I want to protect that that species that that I can enjoy later on. Um, one that's kind of close to home. And I've thought about this, Thomas, and I don't think we've had this conversation, Uh-oh. but this is live right now. Um, one of the cool areas that's close by here is called Kilgore. Um, and they there's been kind of a debate going on about some gold mining that they want to do over in this Kilgore area, but it's going to have adverse effects on the wildlife population in that area. It, it, this Kilgore is kind of up in the, the neck of that Hebkin Lake that we were talking about. And so things like that, where it's like, I, I want to be, I want to protect that. I want to protect those things that we enjoy, the, these beautiful forests and these beautiful animals so that we can harvest them and eat them, you know, and, and keep a, a healthy ecosystem. Um, I, I think we should have you back on, Dax, and talk more about some of the opinionated, a little bit more heated episode um, about w- what we do and how it, it affects the, the outdoors and the world that we live in. And I'll definitely need to do some research because I'm oh, obvious. Oh, me too. But, uh, <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing is I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. That's why I asked the question on like, you know, what's a reasonable way we can reduce a carbon footprint? But my thing is like I'm, I am uneducated to the point that, you know, I'm, I'm not even kind of like what you said. And I appreciate that you're like, I don't have an answer right now, you know. But yeah. I think um, finding an answer that's reasonable and that like people can actually get behind, I think – it'd be almost worth it, you know, to yeah. to try to raise a little bit of awareness with whatever we can, whatever resources we can. And like the Kilgore thing too, um, you know, it, it's, again, it's tough because you read one article that says, this is great, you know, this is wonderful. Yeah. This will, you know, this will bring money to the economy or whatever it is. And then you read another one that's like, oh, but they're destroying the ranches. They're destroying right. the, the wildlife. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's a matter of being educated. And so like, for me, I just need to spend more time on topics like that, educating myself so I can have a good opinion mm-hmm. and have a solid opinion that I can then be like, no, I want to back that up. Yeah. And if you follow, if you follow uh, with that, with that, uh, you see the people who will benefit from the gold mine will say it's mm-hmm. good. And the people right. who will, everyone has an agenda, like geologists, a lot of our jobs the most lucrative jobs are in oil. Yeah. So, the, so there are the, four pipelines and things yeah. like that. So if I have a professor who worked in the oil industry for 30 years, obviously he's going to say, no, we great. shouldn't put regulation on oil. Yeah. And so uh, something that I thought was interesting that you said, Ben, was that you you were saying, yeah, I kill animals and I do this, but that's also, from what I understand, like the Department of Fish and Game, they... They set up how many animals will yeah. be killed, and mm-hmm. that's a, a form of conservation. It's like yeah. if we didn't, we'd have issues with like the bison in Yellowstone, where they're yeah. herbivores eating too many of the herbs. Then you'd have a bunch of elk in your backyard, yeah. deer in your backyard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they eat a lot of the vegetation and washes riverbanks out, and that whole argument there. Isn't yeah. there a, in the Midwest or something? There's a spot where you just like all year's open season because. People just run into deer, hit deer on the freeway and stuff. No, not that I know of. Back back east and Midwest, they have much wider seasons, especially yeah. for white-tailed deer, 
where like Courtney's family is from Oklahoma. And I think in Oklahoma, you can get like seven deer tags a year. Um, like what? two of them can be bucks or something like that. There's really wide open seasons where here in Idaho, it's like a way shorter season and you can harvest one animal. Yeah. I mean, I guess technically you could do one in-state, one out-of-state deer. Yeah. If, but you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. If you want to shoot two. But. And you have to jump on the opportunity because now they're putting restrictions on out-of-state right tags so so yeah not that there's like it's a free-for-all but yeah they it's very very it's just easier it's easier because and, there there's a they have a lot bigger population than we do here so yeah like i i think that fishing game does a pretty good job at least around here of trying their very best to manage the wildlife they care i i, I think that that's of my opinion something interesting on that note i guess that they put out like a ranking of um, the most conservationist-minded states, or whatever, for when it comes to wildlife management, mm-hmm. and Idaho ranked like forty-nine. Oh, so we're low. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's there are new things in place right now where they're talking about maybe doing an antler restriction, making sure that um, you know, animals are at least growing to maturity before yeah. they're harvested by a hunter. They're maybe talking about doing some restrictions on shooting females so that we can recover from some of the winter kill that we get here. They did do that. Okay. They yeah. made some changes this year in some of the units around here, like one of the big um, elk hunting units. They took out the cow hunt. Yeah. In in the Palisade zone, there's no cow hunt. They took out some doe hunts up in the Island Park area. So yeah, they they're implementing. So yeah, I think that they are making changes, but. Um, up until, you know, up, I think that the results came out like last year. I don't know if it was 49th. Don't quote me on that. We were just ranked really low. Idaho was, but I think that they, they recognize that and they're now trying to make necessary changes to Mm. hopefully, you know, get the, uh, get our populations up, get the wildlife numbers up. So kind of cool. It's, it's cool to watch it all, uh, all unfold. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess I'll be the one to get us back on track a little bit (laughs) Um, with, with these kind of heated topics that we've kind of been discussing and everybody has that agenda. I think, I think that a hundred percent accurate. I think everybody has a, an agenda for the most part, you know, when you're reading articles, everybody's has that opinion that they're trying to get across. So wading through all that, I think that you just need to be educated. I think that you need to be able to read through the lines when you read an article, you need to see that person's side. You need to read the other side and, and make informed decisions yeah. for yourself. You know, because we hear so many things nowadays that we're, you know, destroying the planet or there's global warming or this mine is terrible or it's the best thing ever. You know, it's, it's it gets hard to figure out what, what actually is going on and what opinion you should have. I think a lot of people, and I know I do this with certain topics, you just kind of jump on a bandwagon because it's either an easy opinion to jump on or it's the first one that you hear and all of a sudden that's your opinion on it, even though you haven't educated yourself. So I think that it's very important, especially in a local area where it's going to directly impact you, educate yourself. Yeah. And and I want to do this with the, the Kilgore. I think that maybe later on we have, you know, a... Uh, a conversation on the podcast about the the Kilgore mine because that's something that kind of is going to directly impact us. You know, that's kind of some of our hunting grounds is in that area. Um, and so, yeah, education is is awesome, and and just being able to have an open mind, read through 
read between the lines and see what the actual issue is and then make informed decisions on it. Yeah, something that I've learned from my research in the field of geology is that there are credible and non-credible sources too. And I think every field has this where it's like you can go to the Department of Fish and Games website to find information. Credible. Versus barely credible. Go on to, I don't know, Facebook. Some uncredible <laughs> source like ForgottenOutdoors.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, this, this podcast episode will not be airing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but going on to credible sources, like I read an article the other day that was like Yellowstone, scientists are freaking out over Yellowstone about to erupt. And I was like, whoa, seriously. We're about to die. So then I looked it up some like uh, peer-reviewed sources, which are really dense to read, really difficult to read. But yeah. you find like, oh, no, actually, the, it's waning. So probably not going to yeah. erupt anytime soon. But, but just finding those in all fields is important because there is so much information that's it could be true, could be false. That well, finding something that's legit is important. And the Yellowstone eruption is such an interesting thing because in the you know when you compare it to the history of the volcano, we're probably close to it erupting, as opposed to like how long it's been um, stagnant for. But you know, uh, if someone says a thousand years is soon, yeah, that doesn't seem that soon to me. You know, but like, like just mm-hmm. educating yourself. Yeah, <laughs> and also it's like with the Yellowstone one. Again, going deep in the rabbit hole, but the, the hot spot has been erupting for like 17 million years. Hmm. And it started erupting Oregon, Idaho coast or Oregon, Idaho boundary and has moved across the Snake River plain, erupting every so often. Uh, but it's not on like a clock or anything like that. So we see that like two eruptions ago, was 1.2 million years and then one of them at 600,000 and then one of them at 250,000 years or something like that. Hmm. And so we see, if we see that trend, we're like, oh, about every however many thousand years. So we are at the point where it should erupt. If you look back at the history of the last like 10 eruptions, it's not on a clock like that. It's just random. Some of them are... Uh, only a few thousand years separated others of them are like millions of years separated so yeah yeah interesting well i think that's cool i think um i mean i feel like this is kind of a wrapping up point but i do feel like um i guess so how much time do you have left in in school uh two years so i mean there's still plenty to learn Dax will be another guest on, I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm sure that we're going to have some pretty weird conversations when we're out bear hunting. Some hot topics. Oh, yeah. And so we we might just have to post-bear hunt, (laughs) vet some of these out. And I I do. We're going to have you back on, Dax, and we're going to talk about some of the more controversial topics. We'll all do some little research because... It's worth it. I'm not afraid to to talk about those things. And, And I don't think that people should be afraid to talk about controversial topics. If you're coming to it... Approaching it in a place of honesty and not hostility, you know. Well, like and if, if you just not, have a desire to learn, yeah. You know? Which is which is kind of where I'm at at this point, and that's why I was like, "Oh man, it'd be really cool to ask somebody who's studying this, you know, what's your opinion on dinosaurs?" Because you have people who are like, "Dinosaurs never existed," and I'm yeah. like, mm-hmm. "But we have so many freaking fossils. <laughs> <laughs> How does that even make sense?" Yeah. And so it, it just would be kind of fun to get into that stuff. Yeah, coming into a place of, of honesty and 
an open mind, not saying that I'm going to believe everything, but not saying that I'm going to immediately discredit everything somebody's saying. So anyway, yeah, episodes to look forward to cool, uh, yeah. with Dax and some videos and all that good stuff. So again, guys, thanks for listening. We had a great time. Um, as always, subscribe, like, share, all that good stuff. And we will catch you guys next time.